sing this song today um, because I think sometimes we want to move forward, with, but we want to do it without making anything new. And that's really difficult. As I probably like you, uh, over the years I've made many, many New Year's resolutions. Like in those New Year's resolutions you say, well, this is the day. This is the day I want to do something new. And but I've realized that if I want to do something new, I have to take on new habits. I have to do something different. Like I was convinced I'd be working out five times a week. But you know what the problem was? It wasn't my, my, what I was thinking about. It was a great idea. I didn't put anything in place to make that promise come to pass. Like I know I had to set the alarm clock 15 minutes earlier, but I didn't do it. You see, we can believe in the promise, but have no commitment to the process. I want to say that again. We believe sometimes in the promise of God, but we don't believe in the process that God wants to put us through to get to the promise. And we get fanciful about every new year making these brand new promises to ourselves only to understand that we missed the process. But the Lord is making us new today. <laughs> We've just got to commit to the promise and the process. Hallelujah, glory to God. Whether that's a renewed sense of prayer, whether that's a renewed sense of dedication and faith and devotion, the promise and the process are two different things. We've got to commit to both. Amen? He can make you new. He will make you new. He will break the yoke of the old. You've got to commit to the promise and the process. Let's get into this scripture. I'm excited this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord, saints, again. I was looking through the scripture about newness and things that were new and how the Lord makes things new. Um, we have this, the book of the Revelations is where, really where I started and started thinking about how newness was talked about. I also noticed that we started talking about newness after total victory was there. I'm looking right towards the end of the book of Revelations. The scripture says, um, in chapter 14 I think it says, we were singing a new song before the throne. Right? And then in, I think it's chapter 21, it says, Then I saw, do uh, you have that real quick? In, after all the evil and the, 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 had been banished from the earth, it kicks off by saying this. And I saw a new heaven. New heaven. And a new earth. New earth. You'd think that heaven would be fine. Why do we need a new heaven for? But he says, I need a new heaven and a new earth. When things are changed, it is transformed into a new thing. It's a new thing. That's why old habits aren't necessarily appropriate when you're doing a new thing. I don't know if you've ever got excited about having a new thing. Doesn't matter if it's really new, as long as it's new to you, it's new. Somebody, I remember when we got the Toyota, somebody said, oh, you got a new car. Well, it's new to me. It's, it's not new, new, it's new to me. That was enough excitement for me to kind of feel good about it. Funny thing is, 24, within 24 hours, we, the car had gone into an accident. <laughs> but that's just life, isn't it? You get this new thing. But it's amazing to me how when we get new things, we drive different. I remember I let you drive the car. The first, I it was one of the first, we said, oh, let me drive it. He says, yeah, yeah, go ahead and drive it. He's a bit lead-footed, so I said, hey, take it easy. Take it easy. 
But he went and, but I love new things. It makes you do things differently. It's like, I don't know if you remember in the 90s, Jordans were the thing, in the 80s actually, Jordans were the thing. It got so important with Jordans, we stopped wearing them on the basketball court. We liked them so much, we were more likely to wear our Jordans on a Sunday with our suits than on the court. Like, I'm not risking you scuffing my Jordans. It was so new, so good, we said, I'm not, you're not scuffing my Jordans on the basketball court. We're gonna wear these on a Sunday with my three-piece suit and tie. <laughs> the patent leather was beautiful, it was fantastic, it was new. I was never risking my Jordans on a basketball court, of all things. New things make you act differently. It's for basketball, but it's new. It makes your habits different. If, if I had a new suit on, and you said, I need your help moving some things from the house. Well, let me change my suit. This is a new suit. Let me take off the new suit because what I'm willing to help, I'm willing to help, just not with a new suit. Like the new thing requires a new habit. Needs me to approach it a little bit differently. It doesn't matter what we're doing. I'm going to help, but not with the new thing. The new thing means I've got to take a new approach. I remember Michael Jordan was saying once, I don't know how many games he's played, but he played a lot of, I think he played over about 14 seasons, almost 82 games every single season except for his second season. And he said for every game, every single game he played, playoffs, regular seasons, finals, he got a new pair of shoes. Every single game. That's hundreds of games, thousands of games in fact. And every single game, he wouldn't wear the shoes he wore last week, or yesterday, or the day before. He would get a brand new pair of shoes. You know why? He says he wanted to feel excited about the game again. He just wanted to have the same excitement. Not because he was, he was wealthy enough to have it, but it because it created a new kind of attitude into him. Instead of feeling bored with the game, because he'd mastered it so incredibly, he would do things to make it feel new. New is positive, new is good. Change, sometimes we get disturbed by change, but that's sometimes because we are rooted somewhere that is comfortable to us. Whether it's good for us or not is another question. It's comfortable for us, so we like to not change. Well, the Lord is telling you that that old thing that you've been locked onto isn't always good for the new season I'm bringing you into. Sometimes you have to break old habits to get the full benefit of the new thing you're going after. You can't maintain the old habits and have the new thing. <laughs> and so this leads me back to 2 Corinthians. In fact, I didn't even finish reading Revelations, did I? Let me just finish reading that out if I can. And I saw a new heaven yes. and a new earth. New heaven. For the first heaven yeah. and the first earth were passed away. That, oh, I didn't even build on that one. That's what the Lord is saying. Uh, there's no part of that original thing that is helpful to the new thing I'm building. I am breaking the foundation up. I'm starting again. Sometimes, you know, some houses um, can be fixed up. Some houses you can put a little bit of, maybe change the roof, change the furnace, update the kitchen. We're going to bring a new basement. Sometimes houses get so bad that you say, no, no, no. What we're going to do, we're going to kick this down to the, to the roots. We're going to make a new foundation, and we're going to start again. That's what is being described here. I'm starting again. Keep going for me.
For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So he's making this, like, I'm making this brand new, yes, and I'm doing this for a bride. Yes, like, think of this as the wedding gift. You don't give secondhand wedding gifts, you give a brand new one. I'm giving you the second hand, I'm giving you the real, new, made over, made again. And this is where I want to talk about, because when we think about the new year, we often think about the new habits, the new things we want to do. And I want us to re go back again here now to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and 16 and 17. You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is very special to me. In fact, um, there's a verse in here, if, if somebody said to me, I can only imagine these scenarios in my head. But if somebody said to me, I've got five minutes, tell me why I should care about the Christ. Second Corinthians 5 is one of the ones I'd go to right away. Like, I've got five minutes, I'm getting on a plane, tell me why I should care. That last verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 to me sums up my why I love the Christ so much, why I'm so in love with salvation, why it's exciting to me to talk to people about it. That last verse in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21, it says, For he hath made him to be sin for us. <laughs> this is what he did to the Christ. He made him to be sin for us. Now, we know by scripture that he didn't have any sin, so how are you making him sin for us? Like, all of the frustration and the sin and the evil and the corruption that has existed in the world from Adam to this very day has been heaped on him for us. So some people will tell you, well, I'm not sure if it covers me. No, it absolutely covers you. You know what I've done? I don't need to know what you've done because he was made sin for us. But that's not where it ends. He made sin for us who knew no sin. Basically saying, the person who didn't deserve the punishment got all the punishment for sin. Can you imagine the unfairness, the injustice of it all to suggest to the one who did it all right, I'm going to treat you like you did it all wrong. Not just for you, but for everybody. That's why I can come confidently to the throne of grace yes, sir. Yes, sir. because everything that has been done wrong has yes, been given and put on him yes, and not on me. So the one who knew no sin, who had no sin, became sin. That, and he goes on to say that we might be made, look at this, this is the part that just completely blows my mind that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he says, Jesus has the sin and I'm gonna punish him, that's the cross. If he has all the sin, you can't possibly have all any sin because I've punished him for all the sin. 
So when he looks at us, he sees the righteousness that was in Christ, but associated with us. This is a wonderful gift. I mean, I understand John 3.16 when I read this more. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth on him should not perish. Look, if you're going to perish, don't want to waste your time believing because you should not be perishing. <laughs> Jesus paid literally everything. <laughs> Can only imagine somebody buys you a car, gives it to you, and you try to go find the dealer to pay him again. Doesn't make sense. It's been paid for already. You don't owe. You're trying to figure out the interest rate for it. It's paid. Cash. Done. Out. You're out of the paying business. That's why I love 2 Corinthians 5, 17, 5, 20, 21. Because man, if I had just two minutes, give me three minutes, I'm going to tell you why I'm in love with the Christ. Because everything I've, it's not that I'm good. I'm good in him. We've got this thing about people in church like acting like we are better than anybody else. That's not it. I'm not better than you. Jesus is better than you. It's not me that's better. I'm still, I'm as broke as you are. I'm as messed up as you are. But Jesus isn't messed up. Oh, hallelujah, glory to God. I'm not the one who you should be looking at and saying, oh, you think you're something. No, I think Jesus is something. The righteousness that you see in me has got nothing to do with me. The righteousness you see in me has got everything to do with him. I'm just lending it. I'm just sitting in the, I'm sitting in the light of it. I'm just hanging around it. It's just in me. Everything that was defective about me in objective standard is real. But Jesus said, I'm taking everything you've got and giving you something new. That's not your character anymore. That's not yours to own anymore. The guilt isn't even yours. The guilt shouldn't be yours because the sin's not yours. God literally took all of your sin, gave it to Jesus, punished Jesus for it, and now you're saying, well, Lord, I'm still not good enough. Yes, you are. The Lord took your sin, gave it to Jesus. Let me read that again, just to make sure I'm not making this up. For he hath made him to be sin for us. The wrong that I'm doing, he made him to be for us. I should have been sin for me, but I couldn't take it on. <laughs> just give me two minutes and I'm going to preach this to you. He became sin. And it almost seems contradictory. He's a holy God in the flesh. How is he? Well, I'm just going to have to give thanks and be faithful to the promise. I'm faithful to the promise that he made him sin for us. But that's not my message. Let me go to verse 17. Let me go back to 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ... He is a new creature. 
This is the King James Version, and, and creature here, I don't want you to be confused with the word creature. Creature is correct, it's completely accurate, but the word we would use today is creation. You are a new creation. You are a new being, and new existence. Like, whatever you were before, you're no longer that. <laughs> you're no longer that thing, you're something different. The traditional way we talk to talk about this maybe is like a seed becoming something, right? Goes into the ground a seed, it's just a small seed, but then can turn into an oak tree. Like you give it time and the process and it becomes a tree. Another way they do it is with a caterpillar, right? Look, the ugliest looking things. I mean, they are tragically, horribly looking. I mean, I see this, if they're chomping down on the leaves, it's disgusting. I can't stand the look of caterpillars. I don't like them. They, the way they move, I don't, but you see that thing become a butterfly. I'm like, wait, that's the same thing? We are new creatures. With becoming a new creature, we don't walk around, do it. Caterpillars don't even eat the same things as butterflies. Like they don't move like butterflies. They don't, I mean, you saw, I saw a caterpillar chewing down on this leaf and it was gorging itself on the, it was horrible looking. Then you saw the butterfly fly by, land lightly on a daffodil, start to eat the nectar beautifully, then gracefully flew away. I'm like, you're the same creature? Something new. <laughs> he remade that creature from that creature. That's me. That caterpillar is me with sin. Before the Lord God said, you, I'm taking your stuff and giving it to Jesus. Now you're a new creature. Without sin, you're a new creature. Without that association, you are a new and wonderfully and beautifully made creature. You don't even look the same. You don't walk the same. You don't have the same habits. You don't do the things you used to do. You don't grub around on the ground now or you fly gracefully through the air. You're not eating leaves, you're eating nectar. Huh? You are you're not bound to the ground, you're airborne now. Flying and floating through the air. You're a new creature. If scripture says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And he goes on to say, all things are passed away. Behold, all things, everything is new now. Everything is new now. You know, you see, um, when you see caterpillars and they, they, they kind of are uh, hanging out on one, you see lots of them together. What you don't see is butterflies hanging back out with the caterpillars. You don't see that. They don't have the mindset of the caterpillar anymore. I don't know what they see when they look at them. I don't know the mind of a, of a butterfly. I have no idea. But I do know he's not hanging out with those guys on the, on the leaf eating like that anymore. It becomes something else. Its mindset is different now. It's new, it's a brand new creature. It's, it went into a chrysalis, it did something that is a mystery. 
came out, flexed his wings, took off and became something else. You know what the shame of it would have been? All that beauty and, the, and that butterfly never spread its wings and flies. The tragedy would be if a butterfly never claimed what it was transformed into. That would be the tragedy. Instead of seeing this beautiful creature fly around in the air, I'm seeing this creature just walking around in dirt and mud and leaves like its forebears did, and it doesn't claim its true purpose. We've got to start claiming our true purpose in Christ, that we are new creatures. We are new creatures. I'm not going to be associated with, have put on me the guilt of the past. It is over. It is done with. It is finished. If the work of the cross is complete and Jesus said it is finished, then my deliverance is absolutely complete right now. I'm not waiting for it. I'm not aspiring to it. I've got it right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. This is what to be new is. I don't walk the same. I'm not willing to do the same things I was before because this is new. I'm not taking my Jordans onto a muddy football pitch. They're new. <laughs> I'll walk into church with them on, but that's, that's about it. I'm not willing to take them into that old situation anymore. Amen? Let me read that again. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation or creature. Old things passed away. So one thing I will say about the past is that we have to be careful and very selective of which parts of it we pull with us today. Some of it can be a weight. Some of it can be an absolute drag on the present moment. Some of it can hold you back from purpose in the present moment because you're trying to bring things that have rooted you in the same place and created a kind of a stale situation. Newness requires you to break the rooting that was taking you and pulling you into that past moment and walk in a new moment. The scripture kind of refers to it as the old man who died. He says that he's, your, your old man is buried in baptism. Buried, literally talks about it in death terms. And you rise to walk in a newness of life. A new life, a new life emerges. And you see this new man becoming. But can you imagine you going back to that grave to pick up that old man? It doesn't make sense. We've got to leave that old man behind. But the thing that I will say, the promise is that we are new creatures. But there's a process to being a new creature. It doesn't always come naturally. Let's go to uh, Philippians. 3 uh, and 12. Philippians 3 and 12. And if you can read that, help me read that, sir. Philippians 3, 12. Not as though I have already obtained. Right. Either were already perfect. As you read it, I'm going to kind of help as get through the scripture a little bit. It says, so read that first part again. Not as though I have already attained. I'm gonna use a word that you probably use every day just to kind of help this scripture. Not as if you've already grasped, you've got a hold of it. Keep going. Either we're already perfect. 
I don't want you to, I don't, I don't want you to make the assumption as if you're, you've already become completely transformed. Like, I don't want you to make the assumptions that you've got it in your hand. Like, there's the promise, and this is now me talking about the process. Right? Promises, sin has been taken from you, associated with Christ, and righteousness now is yours. That's the promise. What is the process of getting there? Let's keep going. But I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I have. So I'm going to keep following the path that's going to get me where I need to go until I've grasped it. Christ has grasped me. This is what he's saying in the verse. Christ has got a hold of me, attained me, obtained me. Yeah? I've, I'm trying to hold Christ. I'm trying to get a hold of Christ too. Notice he's talking about the process here. Not talking about what he's got, what he's aspiring to, what he's trying to get. Let's keep going, sir. Verse 13, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. Brethren, I'm not counting myself to have already attained it yet, to get it. I'm not counting myself to have actually got it yet. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. But, but this one thing I do. I'm going to do this one thing. Forgetting those things which are behind. <laughs> See what new creatures have to do? Yes, sir. All right. You have to let go of some of the past. Yes, if I am aspiring to something that I don't have, and what I don't have isn't in the past. I have to go forward to get it. You make all things new. And I will follow you forward. Right? Let's keep going. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward until those things which are before. Yes. I press, verse 14, towards the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Here's the thing that's wonderful about this scripture. Saying, I've got, to, I've got to go forward. I'm stretching towards what Jesus has claimed for me. He's obtained me. This is what they said in verse 12 and 13. Jesus has obtained me. And I am attaining or I'm trying to obtain him. And in order to fulfill the goal and of the promise, I have to invest in a process. What is the process? He says, forgetting what lies behind me, I'm reaching forward now to the things that are ahead of me. The process requires me to reach forward. <laughs> this means I cannot stay where I am and get the thing over there. I've got to do, put in effort to get there. The process requires effort. The process requires faith. Why? Because I don't have the thing that I have, but I am stretching towards it yes. with the assumption that I'll get it. Read verse 13 again for me, sir. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, Yes. but this one thing I do. I haven't got it, but, but because I haven't got it, this is the one thing I'm absolutely going to do. Forgetting those things which are behind. I'm going to forget those things because I'm a new creature. I can't hang out with the caterpillars anymore. I am not that thing anymore. So forget that. But what do I do? And reaching forth until those things which are before. I'm going to keep reaching towards the thing that have been set in front of me. The things that have been laid in front of me, not behind me. The answers are in the past. The answers are in the future. That's why I love New Year's. I know it gets tiresome because we, we make promises to ourselves that we never keep. But I like the idea of looking forward. Yes, yes, yes. 
there, honestly, there's nothing, there's very little for us in the past. It's not like we can go back there. It's, it's over, it's done with. All we've got is the future. And the only thing you're gonna do with the past is drag down your present. That's the only thing you're gonna do with the past. So you've gotta set new goals. If you think that in your past that you love, set a new goal based on it in the future. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. Oh, things went well, you say, okay, I got 70% of what I needed last year. Great, let's get 100% this year in front. But don't worry about what last year was because that's over. Let's read that verse 13 again, sir. Brother, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before. So I'm looking at what lying ahead. And I'm saying, wow, that is a little bit out of my grasp. That's not quite here. My past is my past, but I have to reach beyond where I am right now. This requires strategy. Like if something's not here and it's over there, I've got to figure out how to get from here to there. I need to have vision because I need to see it. And I need to have strategy because I need to get to it. There's a process to get to your promise. And I'm asking you to invest effort, vision, strategy, effort, and faith to get from where you are to where you want to be. <laughs> I know we want it to be in our lap, but it's gonna require effort from you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Think about the things that you're going after this year, whether it's at work, whether it's at home, whether it's in your friends. What are the things you have? And pretty much most of them will require some effort from you. Some planning from you. That doesn't make it less about faith because it's not here. As long as it's not here, you have to believe to get it. So it's still about faith. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I gotta believe the promise and I gotta believe the process too. Let's keep reading again, sir. Brother, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing that I do, forgetting those things which are behind, forget him. and reaching forth to those things which are before. Those things that will lies ahead. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This is the first four things where I want to tie back into the new creature. You see, <laughs> I press by definition means I'm doing some work. Like pressing is never easy. Pressing is the definition of work. Like sometimes I think we want to look at what we're going through and say, well, uh, if it's this hard, maybe it's not meant for you. Actually, if it's this hard, maybe this is exactly what you're supposed to be doing. It's possible that it's this hard because what is ahead of you is of greater value than what is in your life and what has been in your past. I want you to lean into this idea that my salvation, my life, is worth fighting for. It's worth pushing for. It's worth the effort and the energy required to get there. The prize is absolutely worth it. He said, I press. Now, I've said in the past, I'm kind of a physics kind of, I love physics and, and all, the, all the things that surround it. Um, so if, if you think about what Newton's law said, pressing against something, means it's actually pushing back against you. You're meeting resistance. Like pressing means things are working against you from getting there. 
because it's working back against you. It's Newton's third law to every action there is an equal but opposite reaction. So pressing means something's trying to stop you. But the process says, I'm going to keep on moving. Process says, I'm going to keep pushing. I don't care you're pushing against me, I'm pushing this way. Because the promise is in ahead of me, not behind me. The prize is ahead of me, not in my past. Keep pushing, saints. <laughs> it's going to feel like this doesn't feel even comfortable. Well, that's what pressing is. Pressing has never been comfortable. Pushing has never been comfortable. But I'm going to press to get to my prize. Now, if they weren't a prize, I'd try tell you to try another strategy. But the scripture says there is a prize. <laughs> Tell me there's a prize on something. I'm going straight for number one. So if there's something ahead that you want, I'm encouraging you to push. Don't care about me pushing back against you. That's what pressing is. Don't care that it resists your nature because that's what it is. You are a new creature. There's nothing in the past for you. The old creature is dead. There's nothing, you can't go back to being a caterpillar after you've transformed into being a butterfly. That is not an option. <laughs> you are a new creature now. The only way is forward for you. And my prize is in Christ Jesus, who has taken all my sin and handed me righteousness. What am I gonna go back to, the, to sin for when he's handed me all this righteousness? Huh? Why do I want that thing back for? I am a new creature in Christ. May the Lord add a blessing to these words.